Isn't that crazy? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> so, anyways, I don't know who the hell draws these maps. I don't you know, know what either. it is? It's gerrymandering. Exactly. Fucking, I blame what's-his-face. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. How you doing today, Pat? I'm here. How you doing today, man? Pretty good. What is this, 88? I think this is 88. What you got for 88? Well, um, the Browns got a great player, Harrison Bryant. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard of him. It's tight, a tight end. Tight end? Yeah. Okay. He looks like the kid from the movie Deliverance. You ever see Deliverance? I don't think so. It's about these, uh, it's like a 70s movie. It's got Burt Reynolds. Nice. The dad from Rudy and uh, John Voight and some other guy. Sure. And basically, they decide that they're going to go canoeing down in Georgia or Tennessee or somewhere. And it's like, the whole plot is like, this river is about to get dammed up and turn into like a lake. And they're going to go canoe down it before that happens. But it's like out in the back country, like hillbilly back country. Sure. And they kind of get into it with these uh, these kind of mountain men, basically. Cool. There's this kid that plays a banjo, and Harrison Bryant looks exactly like this kid. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, this kid could have grown up and become Harrison Bryant. Oh, shit. So. Is that the guy that, is the kid that played the banjo, is he still alive? I think so. Hmm. So it could be him. Could be. Yeah. He also kind of looks like uh, Joe Biden. Oh, shit. That's rough. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. Does he sniff children? Harrison Bryant? I don't know what he does. He'll do some of the stupidest shit sometimes. Well, I hope he doesn't sniff children. I hope not. We might need to. Cut that. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. What you got for news stories? I got three today. You can start out. I was going to bring like up to five, but Damn. I decided to kind of pair this one back a little bit. My first one comes from our favorite, though, UPI Odd News. Awesome. Wallaby on the loose in Michigan County. Do you have this one? No. Now, I feel like this is a headline that we've read before. I'm pretty sure at some point. Sounds kind of familiar. I've read those exact same words coming <laughs> from UPI Odd News. But this one's new. This one's from November 4th. Authorities in Michigan are asking the public to be on the lookout for a wallaby Mm. on the loose in Monroe County. The Monroe County Sheriff's Office said in the news release that the wallaby has been seen wandering loose in recent days in Bedford Township. The release said the Sheriff's Office consulted with the United States Department of Agriculture in order to determine any risk to the public health that may result from this animal roaming freely in our community. We are happy to announce the USDA has informed us that the wallaby is not a threat to public safety (laughs) as it will not approach humans, dogs, or other domestic animals, the sheriff's office wrote. The release of the sheriff's office is currently trying to identify the exotic animal's owner. So that's all I got with that one. Okay, so they're saying the wallaby is not going to approach anything? They're pretty confident about this. Now, a wallaby is not a kangaroo. It's a smaller version of a kangaroo, basically. Right. But they say it's not going to approach a dog. It's not going to approach a human. How do they know that, though? I have no idea. (laughs) Like, Like, how can they say that? They pretty quickly came to this conclusion. Now, number two, the other concerning aspect of this is... It's not reported missing. So someone has a wallaby out there that they don't know is missing or hasn't gone through the process of conducting a, uh, contacting authorities. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like if you had a wallaby, like this is not like a normal last pet. This isn't like a fucking groundhog or whatever the hell people keep as a pet. This is a bigger, beefier animal. Right. I feel like you would report this missing pretty quickly. Would you not? Most definitely. I, I have a theory, though. What's your theory on this one? This could be an escape. I was kind of thinking about that, but the zoo, a zoo would report this immediately. A zoo would have their people but out maybe there. Maybe it, like, snuck out. I feel like something could escape, but you're still doing head checks. Do like, they? They can't, you can't, I can guarantee you can't have a, you can't put exotic animals Dude. on display. Yeah, that's pretty silly. If you 
own this wallaby or if you are looking for a wallaby or if you see this out in the wild and you need to report it to authorities. Before you report it to authorities, please tweet us at 30 and send a picture of it uh, to our Facebook page. Yes, please do that. Anyways, what else do you got today, sir? This is another one from our favorite UPI iNews. Uh-oh. This is November 4th, so a couple days ago. An Iowa man broke a Guinness world record for clapping his hands 1,140 times in one minute. You know, this was one of the ones I was going to bring that I forgot about it. So this is a good one. All right. So this isn't our Idaho man, David Rush. This is his competition here. Dalton Meyer, 20, of Davenport, said his interest in speed clapping began when he was in elementary school and he saw a YouTube video of Kent French, who was once known as the fastest clapper in the world. It came naturally to me. It was like I didn't even have to practice, Meyer told the Quad City Times. That's funny. Really, I just for some reason knew how to do it. Meyer said his record attempt used the wrist clapping technique developed by the previous Guinness World Record holder, Eli Bishop, who managed 1,103 claps in one minute. Wrist clapping is a technique that involves using the wrist and fingers to clap the palm of the other hand. So this guy claps really fast. Basically. Now, let me ask you this. How soon are we going to see David Rush try to claim this record? In the name of STEM education, probably like next week. This guy's going to figure it out. Now, I feel like you have to have like a special talent for this. Like, I feel like not every asshole can just start clapping really fast. Like, I couldn't do it. Like, they got this, like, they made sure this guy did this right. They did recordings to hear each clap, and they did it in slow motion. No shit. And he was hitting 19 claps per second. Wow, that's cr- 19 per second? Yeah. That's insanity. With proper audio to ensure each of his 19 claps per second could be properly counted. Holy shit. That's crazy. Now, I'm pretty sure that none of David Rush's records require slow motion cameras or anything quite that rigorous. And it seemed like they went over this for a while. The record was attempted in March, but Meyer said he didn't receive the word that it had been made official until Halloween. So they were looking at it. They made sure he got those Could you imagine... You pull this thing off, and it's like, I think I got it. And then you can't really relax. Like, you can't really enjoy the moment. You got to wait till Halloween to That's find a out long that time. your clap effort in March was officially the fastest of all time. That's ridiculous. That is I don't crazy. know what to say with that. That's just... Yeah, I thought that was silly. I don't think David Rush is going to claim this one. I think that this guy in Iowa is going to hold it for a while. Yeah, so. this, like, this seems like it's... Uh... You need natural talent to do this. Yeah, I would agree with that. Anyway, speaking of natural talent, I got one more news story. Actually, I got two more, but this one's a pretty good one. This one comes from The Athletic, which is that sports website. Nice. Matthew McConaughey actively exploring bid on commanders. Mm. Now, the Washington commanders are our favorite football team here at 430 in the morning. We've been following them for a while now. Yes. Back when they were the Washington football team. Those great days. Yes. Um, Apparently, their controversial owner, Dan Snyder, who we've talked about before on the show, is exploring the possibility, at least, of selling the team. He hasn't officially announced he's going to sell the team or if he's going to sell he a probably, portion of it. He probably needs to at this he point. He should. He's going to get forced out <laughs> sooner or later because he has done some shit. Like, even the shit that he's officially done is bad, but the shit that he's alleged to have done is just like... Ugh. It's like, you can't be doing any of this, dude. So, Matthew McConaughey is actively exploring, joining, or leading a group of investors with a purpose of bidding on the Washington Commanders, a person close to the Academy Award-winning actor told The Athletic. McConaughey, a longtime fan of the team, is the co-owner of the Major League Soccer's Austin FC franchise. The New York Post first reported that the dazed and confused actor's interest in becoming a part of the potential Washington ownership group. McConaughey would not have the financial resources for majority ownership. The Post story linked 
McConaughey to a possible investment group fronted by Amazon founder Jeff Bezos and rap icon Jay-Z. That connection is not definitive, although the person close to the actor who was granted anonymity because they are not authorized to speak publicly. There is no debate over McConaughey's fandom. He's attended games and spent time with team owner Dan Snyder. McConaughey spoke at the team's welcome home luncheon in 2019 and explained how a a Texas native and hamburger lover (laughs) became a Washington NFL fan. I'm four years old. And my favorite food is a hamburger, said the 53-year-old actor. Number 55 for Washington was Chris Hamburger. When you're four years old, those are the things that make sense to you, McConaughey said. <laughs> so that, there's a little bit more to this story, but I'm going to cut it at that. So Matthew McConaughey, award-winning actor, Lincoln car driver, NFL owner. You know, just for the record, Dallas Buyers Club, phenomenal movie. Yes, that is a good one. I've been trying to get my mother to watch that, and she refuses. Because she would love it, because the content would be like... It's about, like, the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. And she doesn't understand that. She just sees the bullshit, the, how the movie starts, <laughs> and she's like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Great movie. It's a really... That was a really good one. So Great was, performance. So was uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Great. What else is he in? Days and Confused is my favorite Matthew McConaughey movie by far. Oh, yeah. Uh, Interstellar. Interstellar was a good one. Um, I'm waiting for the Chris Collinsworth biopic. Yep. That'll be starring Matthew McConaughey. I don't know when that's due out yet, but I think it's coming. So For sure. Anyways, that's all I got with that one. I think Matthew McConaughey would be a great NFL owner. I think so, too. No, he doesn't have the assets to be like the complete, like the full-on owner. Right. He's got to be like a multi-billionaire for that shit. And I don't think he's right. up there, but sure. that'd be cool to see. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, on to you. What else you got? I got another one from our favorite UPI on news. Bear breaks into British Columbia car to eat lunch leftovers. You gotta be careful with these bears, man. A bear broke into a car in British Columbia and destroyed a door while seeking out some leftovers from the owner's lunch. Stefan Halas said his car was parked outside his Maple Ridge home when the bear was apparently attracted to his vehicle by some left-behind food. There was a window on the ground and the paw prints on the door. Halas told Global News, We knew instantly it must have been a bear. Kind of turned my car into a pop can and crushed it. Halas's car was badly damaged, but it wasn't the bear's only target. All of our car doors were open, and all of our neighbor's car doors were open too, Halas's mother and Taylor said. Taylor said paw prints on the door show the bear was apparently familiar with how to operate handles to open unlocked vehicles. She said the family will ensure the doors are locked from now on. Black bears across North America are more active currently as they work to consume about 20,000 calories a day in, prepar- in preparation for hibernation. Do you imagine you walk out your door, just every car on the street is just trashed by a fucking bear? bear. <laughs> Man, I don't keep food in my car, but I would certainly never do any of that shit. Like, you need, like, locking garbage cans out there and shit. Dude, don't you? We're, we're, we're fighting with a damn raccoon, like, every night with our oh, garbage. Oh, you got a raccoon right now? Yeah, and it's a pain in the ass. Well, it's in our garbage all the time. I know a guy that can, that can help you out with that. Yeah, sure. Tim? Yes. Yeah. He did something. He had one. I forgot what the hell. Oh, I think he, got, he he had this whole thing planned out where he was trying to take out a raccoon in this house. I don't know if I talked about this on the show or not. And it's like, he was like living in his, like, like underneath his house. So he had this whole plan where he was going to sit outside and try to shoot it. But then he realized that it's not a good look to be sitting outside with a rifle. But he has a twenty two <laughs> revolver that he's going to keep the twenty two revolver concealed and just kind of wait for it to come out. And then one day he, he, he was driving home and he saw it dead on the road. That's funny. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. Anyways, I got one more quick news story. Let's do it. This one's kind of close to my heart Aww. for a couple of different reasons. And this one comes from the register.com. Catching a falling rocket with a helicopter more complex than it sounds, says Rocket Lab. <laughs> 
private launch outfit Rocket Lab has again failed to catch one of the electron launcher's first stages with the helicopters that floated back to Earth. Bringing a rocket back from space is a challenging task, and capturing it mid-air with a helicopter is as complex as it sounds says Rocket Lab founder and CEO Peter Beck. The chances for success are much smaller than those for failure because many complex factors must perfectly align. Rocket Lab's Electron can carry 300 kilograms to low Earth orbit and has over 30 successful launches to its name. But the craft is not reusable because its first stage either splashes down into the ocean, which rather makes a mess of its engines, or burns up on re-entry. Rocket Lab has recovered electron boosters and has successfully recovered and restored one engine for terrestrial firing tests. Hmm. To make electron reusable, the company hopes to catch electrons as they float to Earth beneath a parachute. That plan requires the use of Sikorsky S-92 helicopter that's more than capable of carrying the 1,000 kilogram booster. But catching it is another matter. As Rocket Lab staff explained during the live stream video of the mission, between the main parachute deployment and the time it would take the electron to reach the ocean, our pilots have about 10 minutes to complete the catch. Within that time, our pilots need to control the Sikorsky, balance the swing of the hook underneath while it's attached to the helicopter's line, hook up precisely to the Electron's parachute line, and then secure the rocket beneath them for the journey back. Sadly, on this occasion, a brief loss of telemetry from Electron's first stage during re-entry meant the catch wasn't attempted. And fair enough, given that the Sikorsky crew clearly needed to be very confident, they know the rocket isn't going to whack them out of the sky. So, to break that all down for you real quick, this company, Rocket Lab, they're a private launch company they're trying to catch the rockets with a helicopter that's that's what's going on here like the rockets gonna parachute down like they do in like apollo 13 or whatever sure and they're gonna try to snag it with a helicopter like that's what that's what's going on here that's literally is, what's going on here so is there something on the helicopter to like grab it there's like hooks and shit and they're trying to line it up with a parachute and kind of like swoop in okay seriously that's exactly what's going on here okay but it's not going well no they're failing consistently. Like, they've been trying to do this for a while now, and it's not working. I think they had it happen successfully once. I feel like those arms would have to be very long, because you have the helicopter that's spinning around. Ain't that going to hit whatever the fuck they're trying to catch? Yeah, and even if, <laughs> even if, even if, yeah, basically, no, you're right about that. The, the, what do they call them, propellers? Yeah. I guess they're propellers. Yeah. But even if you get all that right, you need to catch it in such a way that it's not going to pull the helicopter out of the sky. Like, right. How like how heavy is this thing? Now, could you imagine for a second being an investor for Rocket Lab and you see this fucking news headline <laughs> and you're like, what are they doing now? What in the hell? I'm not going to lie. I'm an investor in Rocket Lab. <laughs> I bought into this company back when it was trading at like $9 a share, $10 a share. For a while, it was up near like $20 a share. I'm like, shit. This is going to be a great company to invest in. I put a good chunk of my tax return into it. I'm like, this is what's going to make me rich. I just got to let it sit. <laughs> then I see the fucking headline, <laughs> Rocket Lab trying to catch rockets with a helicopter. And I'm like, they can't do anything better. They're in a good financial state, but they keep dicking around with this helicopter nonsense. And it's not going well. They're just wasting, they're wasting my money. Unreal. So, yeah, those shares have kind of taken a shit since then. Good time to buy, though. Good time to buy. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, but maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they'll catch that bitch with the helicopter. Uh, I hope so. They need to do something. They need to get their shit together. So what happens if they don't catch it? They, the, well, I guess the, this basically the cost is just they waste a cost on the helicopter. Whatever okay. it costs the pilot and operate it. Okay. Every time they miss. It's just, but like, why are they trying to catch it? Because 
if they can catch it, they can reuse it. Okay. I but guess if, it, if it lands in the ocean, it's going to get corroded with salt water too quickly. They can't sure. salvage it at that uh, point. I guess that makes sense. So that's the whole goal behind it. I know way too much about this shit. I just saw this headline today, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. But I wonder if, like, there's, like, I wonder how big this thing is. Like, if there's any way to catch it with something else, like a fucking boat. Or I don't like. It's gotta be another way to do this. Other see than, with a boat though. Yeah, it'd be. I know it'd be, it'd be very hard to maneuver it in the water to get it perfectly under where yeah, it's going. Yeah, see, you're kind of you're landing, you're trying to get it to land on a flat it, plane. I, I can see how that would be very hard to do. The helicopter actually gives you more. <laughs> believe it or not, the helicopter gives you more <laughs> more room for air. I, I know. I just don't see how it will work with the <laughs> propellers. There's no you way around. Get, that. You have to get. You have to get above it. And then come down or something. Yeah, that's the only way. Or you have way to swoop you'd... in from the side, There's... I think. I don't know. You'd have to do it from above it. There's no way you're going to get around the propellers. I don't know. But unless, you... unless, the, unless the hooks are extended very far out to Which where they can grab it. They could be. And then, like, but then maybe... I feel like you're going to be taking the helicopter down with it at that point. It depends how heavy This has it to is. be a pretty heavy helicopter. Like, how do these? How do helicopters fly in the first place? Like, are you telling me that a fucking propeller <laughs> just rotating above this thing could lift a 5,000-pound well, thing? Well, it has to create enough force down in more weight than what the vehicle is, right? Yeah, you would think so. So the downward force would have to be more pressure than the weight of the thing. So it's obviously hauling ass. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a fucking... If you know anything about helicopters or rockets, please tweet us at 30 in the. And if you want to invest in Rocket Lab, the sticker symbol is RKLB. So please buy in. It's a good time to buy. Am I allowed to do that? It's not market manipulation. Am I using my celebrity status? Is that is that legal? Do we get paid for an ad? We do not get paid. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get myself paid. I think you're good. Anyways, please buy in. It is a good company. They're doing some shenanigans, but I would still... Their financial position is really good. This is going to be the next Tesla, guys, so please buy in. I'll buy in. I like it. Anyways, do you have any more news? I, I think I can do one more quick one. Uh-oh. This is from foxnews.com. Okay. Ohio postal worker busted in fentanyl trafficking operation. Uh-oh. An Ohio supervisor with the United States Postal Service admitted to ranking in to raking in thousands while trafficking illegal drugs. Carrie Beach Jr., a 31-year-old USPS supervisor in Cincinnati, pleaded guilty in U.S. District Court Thursday for his role in a 2020 scheme that saw him intercept 28 packages containing fentanyl and methamphetamine and deliver the packages himself. According to Kenneth Parker, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Ohio, Beach was paid $500 per package from the person it was delivered to. An operation by federal agents in July 2020 found Beach in possession of four sealed packages containing illegal drugs, with officers also finding him in possession of $4,500 in cash and a loaded pistol in the car. Beach was eventually charged with mail theft in September, which can land the USPS employee in a five-year prison sentence. Fentanyl bus comes as Ohio has grappled with growing opioid crisis in recent years. According to the recent CDC data, state checked in with the fourth highest rate of drug overdoses in 2020, trailing only by West Virginia, Kentucky, and Delaware. There's more to the story, but it's basically it. Now, that's ridiculous. Number one, the fentanyl thing is just, it's... It's so bad. Don't do drugs. Don't kids. do drugs and don't don't trade it. Don't don't deal it. Not Please fentanyl. Don't. Not fentanyl. But you're gonna get caught. Yeah. Like this is so dumb. Like no one gets away with this shit. <laughs> no one's gonna get away with this. <laughs> no. But the logistics of pulling this off would not be that hard. Hmm. Like especially with no. with online tracking, it's pretty it would be pretty Yeah. Especially when he when he when he's 
handling the packages himself. Yeah, well, he could <laughs> he could set himself up very easily just to snag them real quick. Yes, very so, easily. But that's... but you know there are things in place to catch this shit, and he obviously got caught. Yeah, I'm happy they got busted. I wonder how how long was this going on for, and who else is involved? Is he the only one doing this? I don't know. It said about 28 total packages. Holy shit! So saw him intercept 28 packages. Now I wonder how. How did he get tied up in this? Because you got to be a USPS supervisor, which means you're passing a lot of background checks, etc. Now, to be a supervisor, I don't know what kind of background check would be there. But I want, I'll bet you he was just a normal employee that got poached by the drug cartel or whatever. Possibly. I bet you that's how that happened. Possibly. That is pretty interesting. That's an interesting news story. Happy they got him off the streets, at least. And he's a supervisor, so he yeah. could he can manipulate things to work in his favor. Exactly. Being and, in his position. Well, it is a union shop, so. Sure. I don't know if they can... I don't, I don't know how any of that works. Uh, not okay. over there, at least. Definitely not. Anyways, I did have a couple more news stories. The one that I was going to do real quick, um, I'm not going to do it, but there's a statue of a baby Jesus in Mexico. And this is a three-year-old news story, but it got it got resurfaced this week for some reason. So I was seeing this again, even though I've seen it before. This church built like a huge baby Jesus statue, and it's like instead of the crucifix, they're going to have a baby Jesus up on the altar or whatever. Except this Jesus looks exactly like Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly like Phil Collins, and it's kind of fucked up. I have to look it up. It's yeah, I'm gonna have to get a picture up on the Facebook page for that. But that's hilarious. I was gonna talk about that, but then I found some more news stories. So that's all right. Anyways, are we ready for the main topic? Let's do it. And I'll take ownership of this one. This is yeah. gonna be my episode. This this week. is Pat's episode. Today we're gonna be talking about the theory, I guess, of giants. Yes. Did giants once walk on Earth? Yeah. There's a couple interesting questions to ask yeah. about giants. And I uh, agreed. And this is going to be a little bit different of a, maybe a little bit different structure than we're used to. Sure. Because while there's a lot of stories out there, there's a lot of folklore about giants. Like every culture has some form of folklore about giants, whether it's Native American folklore has stories, uh, Asian folklore has stories, European folklore has a lot of stories, etc., etc. But there's a lot of speculation that maybe this folklore isn't exactly folklore. Maybe it's history. Right. And it gets kind of weird when you dig into some of the evidence, etc. So uh, do you want to start off with this one? Do you have any interesting anecdotes about giants, large humans, etc.? I mean, it kind of, first of all, you got to think about, you know, what kind of, like, what you think a giant is. Sure. Right. So you think of the modern era. I can think of a couple of people who I think a giant could be. Like, think of Andre the Giant. Sure. He was like okay. seven foot four or Seven something. foot four, like 400 some pounds. Sure. Right. But he's more of like a, a medical anomaly because he had um, gigantism. Sure. Right. And acromegaly. Is that how you say that? I don't know how to say that word. I don't know how to say that either. But it's basically a disorder from an overreactive pituitary gland, yeah, which, which releases too much growth hormone into your body. Which you see that from time to time. There's actually a current NBA player that I think either he was diagnosed or they think that he has it. Uh, his name is Boban Marjanovic. He's yeah. seven foot four. Yeah. And he's been. I've heard it said, I think he's got gigantism. Sure. They were able to control it, and they have been able, like, in recent years to control, if if they're able to diagnose it quickly, kind of slow it down. Right. And, and, you know, the average human being now is probably between, well, probably between, as far as males, between 5'6 and 5'8. Yeah. I would say the average is. Yeah. And back then, depending how far back you go, probably the average height was more like between 5'3, 5'5. Yeah, if that, like... So, years ago, it was closer to like five foot even. You have to ask yourself, were medical anomalies around back then as well? Sure, there were. You know, back then, a six foot eight guy 
which is way above average today, but sure. there's probably thousands of them out there. There's definitely thousands, if not millions, of six foot eighters out there. Yeah. Back then, they could have thought that person is a giant back then. Six foot eight compared to a five five average dude. Sure. That could be a giant to them. Sure. And you see, obviously, you're talking about the folklore, and you can also, like in the Bible, some multiple passages about giants in the Bible and yeah. stuff. And even in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you see books about giants and shit. So, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it's, it depends what perspective you look at it. You look at it, I guess. See, I but, always... But, but some of these things that we're about to get, get into are skeletons that are 10 to 13 feet tall. Supposedly. Which Supposedly, is a, Which is yes. very, very weird to think about. Right. Now, the tallest human recorded... That we know about was Robert Wadlow, who had gigantism. Yep. yep. I think he lived in the 30s and 40s or something. He only lived to the age of 22. He, I think he was born in like 1890-something. I thought he was born a little bit later. Maybe he was. I don't know. But he, he died in the early 1900s. Yeah. Very young, too. He was only 22 when he died, and he was 8 foot 11 and a half was his final, final height. He never stopped growing. I think he was like 400 pounds. Yeah. Now, he could barely walk. He had to wear braces most of his life. His heart could barely keep up with his body. So, there's a lot of people that are going to say, well, he's proof that the human body can't get that big. If it gets that big, then it's just going to shut down and he's going to die. Which, obviously, he died at 22, so right. kind of a sad life if you think about it. Yeah, definitely. But um, there are people out there that are going to say, you can't you can't get bigger than that. Right. But that that's modern man with our modern anatomy. Right. And we really don't know. We hear these stories about these skeletons. We don't know if they were actually Homo sapiens sapiens. We assume they were. Yeah. But there hasn't been testing done on any of these. Right. Official testing, at least. you got to ask yourself, like, this could be a completely different species of human. This could be humanoid. Like, sure. You know, there could have been different cultures. Could have been, you know. Well, they could be. I got a different theory I'll get into later. Sure. <laughs> and when you look at history, like, you, you mentioned the Bible. Goliath. Do you have anything about Goliath from the book of yep. Samuel? David and Goliath. Yep. I think that's what the book of, the second book of Samuel. I don't know which one it was. Now, he was the champion of the Philistines. Philistines? Was it? Is that what they're called? Philistines? Philistines? I think so. Anyways, he was estimated to be either six foot nine, which is probably what he was. Mm-hmm. But like back in the olden days, they said he was like nine foot six or even ten foot six. Wow. Now he was a giant. Now the thing with him is he was said to be descendant of this race that's actually mentioned in the Bible. And this race had six fingers and six toes. And he was said to be kind of like part of them. And they mm-hmm. were giants. Wow. Now what's weird with that is there's also Native American folklore that's very similar with that six-finger, six-toe giant type people. Mm-hmm. So we got Philistines from the Bible times in Mesopotamia, Native Americans on the complete opposite end of the world. Some groups of Native Americans at least had a very similar folklore. And a lot of them have giant folklore that's just part of their mythos or whatever. Right. So that's kind of weird how there's kind of that correlation. Yeah, it is interesting. But then when we were talking about these skeletons, there's a story I found. It's in Arizona. It was called Canyon de Shelley National Monument. I you've heard about this place. Say it again. Canyon de Shelley, C-H-E-L-L-Y. Sounds familiar. I guess it's in the Four Corners region, which is on the it's on the Navajo Reservation, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's up in it's in northeastern Arizona. There's a story where supposedly there's torrential range up there, and there's a washout in the canyon, and then they eroded away a lot of the canyon walls. And when it all cleared out, they were these skeletons that were exposed. So the Park Service had to send their people out there because you can't really have human remains out there. Now it gets in the really tricky water really quickly on a Navajo reservation because you can't just mess with their bones basically right and i found a bunch of different separate stories that are not 
tying them together, but I'm kind of tying them together. Sure. Basically, there's a story from 1999 where the parks and police were pulling these bones out, and then as they were pulling them out, they were like, wow, there's a lot. There's a lot more than we thought, and they're very intricate, and they're very well-preserved, and they're big. They're like seven feet tall. So as they were exposing these bones, they found that, hey, you know, some of these, most of these are six fingers and six toes, which is crazy. Now, the FBI supervised this and the Smithsonian supervised this, supposedly, according to the emails that I've read, and the bodies were never mentioned again, and all the employees had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, etc. Mm-hmm. So that ties into that that it's a common folklore. trend I found. But what's crazy about this one is the Navajo tribe has been in legal battles with the federal government over the removal of skeletons in that monument area mm-hmm. because it's sacred ground to them. You can't be digging up bones. You can't. That's. You're already, every time you dig up a body, you're already fucking with shit, basically. Yeah. But in their culture, especially, it's very, that's a serious, just a grave thing. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Now, this wasn't tied in. Like, I couldn't correlate the dates necessarily. But the fact that there's also legal battles going on from the tribe's perspective against this is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Makes you wonder, why would they even try to do this? What's the point? Why would they fuck with this? And they were like, oh, we're trying to preserve the remains of what the federal government was trying to say. We're trying to protect them from looters. And it's like... No. That's kind of a that, bullshit story. Sounds like a cover. And I was kind of surprised to see that. I, that's part of the reason I was late today is I was digging into the story a little bit, and I'm like, shit. That's interesting. That's fishy. It's very interesting how that all kind of correlates. That story the, from, from 1999 I got from a Jim Mars book called Our Occulted History, which is one of his ridiculous books. But it's in there. So That's interesting. I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. All right. What else you got? Do you have anything else with that? Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that because most of the research that I... That um, I found is all based in America. It's very interesting. Sure. So have you read anything about the burial mounds that are basically all over the United States? Yes, I have. I've actually been reading about those in a book called The Ancient Giants Who Ruled America, The Missing Skeletons and the Great Smithsonian Cover-Up, which is by <laughs> Richard J. Dewhurst. Now, to be fair, this book, it's not bad, but I got a theory going on with this book that I'm going to bring up a little bit later. Sure. This is only a 2014 publication, and this guy is a pretty well-credentialed author. He's been talking about this shit. He's a graduate of NYU. He's got degrees in journalism, film, and television, and he's even an Emmy Award winner. Wow. So it's some. this is a legit guy right here. Well, this this little piece that I'm going to get into is uh, from Gaia.com. Yes. So it might be a little biased, but Gaia is said to be like an ancient giant god, I'm pretty sure. Sure. If I, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong. And the website has their own streaming service, and I subscribed to it for like two months. <laughs> I had to cancel it. It was too expensive, but it's got all sorts of weird shit on it. Yeah, it does. But this was a pretty interesting piece, this guy named Jim Viara. Okay. These big-ass mounds are found all over the United States. They're found all over the Northeast, from like Martha's Vineyard all the way to Deerfield Valley, Massachusetts, Vermont, upstate New York, and even in Ohio. Ohio's got a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot in Ohio and um, in the South and on the West Coast, too. But what's crazy is some of these mounds are as big as the Great Pyramid at Giza. Sure, at least in like like the width, or are they are they that yes. tall too? No, they're not that tall. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah they're definitely not as tall, but the width. They're very is, expansive. They're very expansive. They're huge. The Cahokia and Monks Mountain, Illinois and Missouri, are two um, thought to have been built before the arrival of Columbus. Um, the Cahokia Mount is 100 feet tall with a 14 acre base. That's which crazy. is an entire acre larger than the Pyramid of Giza. The Monk's Mound is just as tall with a thousand foot wide base. And what's crazy is what these mounds covered up, allegedly. Now, this guy went, I guess, 
went into all this shit and tried to discover the mystery of what was in these mounds and what was covered up from these mounds. And the extraction of a lot of these mounds were mostly all done in the 19th century. Yeah, a lot of them were in the 19th century. Some in the 20th, but mostly like 1800s, basically. Right. And there was a lot of evidence of large skeletons being extracted from these mounds. And this guy by Trey was like a stonemason. And along with these mounds were these incredible big stone structures. Sure. And he was really taken aback by how these were put together, especially for the technology of the time. So one skeleton that was found in the Ohio River Valley, it was a woman, and she was holding a three and a half foot long child, like infant. <laughs> That's pretty like, crazy. Which That's is weird. Which is huge. That is huge for a child. And another um, one of the giant skeletons that was buried in a clay coffin and uh, had an engraved stone tablet that was also recovered. This particular mound was 64 feet long and 35 feet wide. There's a mound in Arkansas with a 12 square mile mound. And the name was taken from the chief of the Shawnee tribe, who was essentially known to be a giant with incredible strength. Chief Chikasawaba lived in the area of Arkansas. And when the mound was uncovered, the skeleton of the massive being was found. Subsequently, other skeletons up to 10 feet tall were unearthed in the same area, all with similar burial effects around them. He claims that a lot of these discoveries were hushed up at the times based on the narratives of the time. He believed that in the 19th century was a big time of like a turning point in a censored narrative that basically dictates a lot of our history books today. Sure. And uh, even Abraham Lincoln at the time believed in giants. Because all this shit was being, a lot of this shit was being uncovered at the time. This was Abraham Lincoln's quote in one of his speeches that he gave at Niagara Falls. The eyes of the species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of America have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. Abraham Lincoln literally said that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. They had a prejudice against the Native Americans at time, and they they didn't want it because of these mounds and these stone structures were so intricate. Like they were lined up to where you know at like the fucking summer solstice or whatever, it would, the, the sun would shine on a particular area. It was very intricate, and they didn't want the public to believe that the Native Americans were this smart, were this technological. Yeah. And that's something that I've, I'm seeing in a lot of these articles is it's just like, wow, they really do not like them at all. It's really, yeah. it's really, really bad. Right. Now, one thing we need to consider with that is those assumptions are kind of bullshit. Sure. Because, well, they are, they are bullshit. It's not like it's a if, and, or but. But when you look at the cultural aspect of what they had going on from even the pioneer times, I never would have seen Native American culture at it's like peak or at where it was because you got to think about it whenever two groups of people meet you're never going to meet like the heart of civilization immediately you're always going to start off with kind of like the outskirts right and as you work your way in you're going to be creating chaos yep being a different group of people so you're never going to see that group as it was like at its peak or whatever right so them assuming that they're just crazy whatever is nonsense it doesn't really it doesn't really hold up but it also could lead to well, we have this presumption about them, so we got to come up with something different. You know what I mean? Right. So, anyways. And just to finish this real quick, the Smithsonian conspiracy. So, within the ethnology reports of the Smithsonian Museum, there are 17 cases of the Smithsonian uncovering giant skeletons over 7 feet tall. Now, the probability of a human growing 7 feet tall is 0.000007%, meaning that they would have to excavate roughly 2.5 million bodies to have found that many skeletons of that size. 
Which there's no way that that would, there's, the numbers don't add up for that one. Sure. And then there are also supposed reports of the Smithsonian Institution purchasing giant skeletons excavated by citizens, which then disappeared never to be heard from again. The Smithsonian even had a division for exploring mounds, of which there is a written record of them uncovering giant skeletons whose bones crumbled into dust than when exposed to air, which is what they said. So there's... Now, there's... this is what all this guy claims. If you go on Gaia and you read this whole article and everything, he cites where a lot of this stuff um, was also reported. And, like, the New York Times, multiple, like, established journals and, you know, news companies and shit like that. So it's not like it's coming from nothing. Like, these are from actual reports. Sure. And that's what's uh, what this book that I cited earlier... Um... The Ancient Giants of Rural America. Most of it is newspaper articles, but it's hundreds of newspaper articles. Yeah, there's lots. The second half, most of it's the second half of the 19th century and the first half of the 20th century. But it gets into like the 1950s where these articles are being published. Now, at that time, we do need to note that there was a little bit of a sensationalization of the newspaper as press became very widely read throughout the entire country, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely, definitely. Newspapers wanted to get readers. That being said, the volume of these stories and the consistency within them is kind of crazy considering it's coming from all parts of the country. It's correlating with stuff being found in other parts of the world that I didn't even get into. Like, there's stories from all over the world where they're uncovering skeletons like this. I don't know if you got into any of those, but it's it's a just a volume of shit. Right. Like, that story that you just talked about is one that fits everything that I read about, but I didn't see that one at all in my research. Right. Now, it could be in this book, and I didn't make it through that far yet. But. Sure. But, like I said, like, I thought everything that that guy had to say was pretty interesting. I don't know if it's all true. It's not, it, I don't it, think. I don't think it's all true, whether all those skeletons are giants. Sure. I, I don't think I believe that, but. And you have to understand, too, that a lot of these measurements are field measurements, which isn't an anatomical, an, right. whatever it's called, recreation, basically. Mm-hmm. But what are interesting is there were some pictures, whether the pictures are real or not, um, but of the individual bones, like they'll have like the tibias showing compared to a regular human being. Like it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see that. Sure. So that's pretty compelling in my opinion, but whether or not all of it's true, I, I can't really say. Well, what's kind of funny, too, is we've talked about how big tech kind of censors shit and pushes things to the top. I did a Google search just for shits and giggles today that said giant skeletons found. That's what I searched. Yep. And on the first page, I had a Reuters article talking about how the Smithsonian conspiracy regarding giant skeletons is bullshit. (laughs) But when it broke it down, it really didn't tell you anything. Right. And that's the thing, too, is there when you look at the, the way that they try to debunk these theories... It's mostly nonsense. They'll pick one hoax and they'll kind of fixate on that. Right. And they'll write off the other 200. What I think is going on with the whole U.S. aspect of this is I think there's a nugget of truth somewhere. Sure. Finding some skeletons. Now, I'm not going to go out and say that they're 13 feet tall or 15 feet tall. I'm thinking 9 or 10 maybe. Sure. At maximum. But they're finding something that they don't want to be out there. Definitely. Now, 9 feet to 10 feet tall would be pushing the limits of the human body in terms of the cube, the square cube thing that Galileo came up with, which is what your mainstream people like Tim, your mainstream scholars like Tim, who wanted to bunk all this shit, would say, oh, the cube theory says you can't do any of this. And the cube theory would stand up up to about 10 feet. And the cube theory basically says that a creature of a certain height and a certain mass would break down over time. Mm-hmm. And basically the limit would be like basically seven feet kind of like the limit, maybe eight feet for a human. But it could keep going up a little bit higher, basically. Sure. Now, what's weird, too, is obviously we, we know that there are tall people. We talked about like the NBA, for example. The average yep. height is like six foot seven or something. 
Right. So obviously there's lots of tall people out there and they tend to be in groups. But you also see these stories where they dig up bodies that the average height's like seven feet tall in a group, like a culture, like a people. Right, exactly. Which that's kind of crazy. Now this could those numbers could be exaggerated a little bit, but there's a large volume of them. Now I think a lot of these stories, especially in those books, are are hoaxes, are put up in place and some of it could be people just trying to get a story out there some sure. of it could be kind of planted hoaxes but they were kind of allowed to run with them to kind of sensationalize a story so much that things that they might have really found maybe they found a couple of unexplainable skeletons those kind of get pushed down until they really understand what they are you know what i mean sure now when it comes to a conspiracy like that everyone's like well you can never get all these people on board you can't project manage a conspiracy like this because you're never going to be able to get people coordinated but you really don't need to have everybody coordinated you just have to incentivize the right people to say the right things at the right time sure and incentivizing a bunch of other people not to speak up or if they do speak up have a way to control them after the fact mm. and it really doesn't take nearly as much coordination as you would think it would to make some of that should happen i mean they do it every single day they do it all day i mean think <laughs> about every company ever you think yeah. i mean look at these whistleblowers that leak this shit it's like how did this not get leaked earlier and they have to go through all this shit just to get a message out you know what i mean it's just, very just easy look at the fucking government as a whole exactly all the shit that they got to keep quiet yeah <laughs> and stuff gets out all the time but right they're able to stifle it Yep. It doesn't take nearly as much as you would think it would to c- coordinate a conspiracy like this. And it doesn't, you know, everybody doesn't have to be in on it. Right. Not everyone's in on everything. It just takes the right people at the right time and help. So there might not even be one person that has the entire plan in their head. You're just all playing a part. You know what I mean? Right. And I was going to get into some more history. Like, there's a lot of it. Like, there's a guy from the Roman Empire named Maximinus. I saw that guy. He was said to be eight feet six, which might be a little bit of an exaggeration. But every historical record says he was huge. Now, he was the emperor of Rome from March 235 until June of 238. Um, I guess he was a descendant from Diocletian. And it's like the historical accounts are all over the place, but everyone says that he was huge. Like they say eight feet and one finger is what they said, which that, <laughs> that, that can mean anything. Right. But he's probably pretty big. And then there's another guy out there. This guy was from the Bible, King Og of Bashan, OG. He's the real OG. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been mentioned in the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. And basically they think he might have been like 13 feet tall or something ridiculous. <laughs> it's all based on the size of his bed. Like the size of his bed for some reason is like a point of fixation in the Bible and in history. And it's like, they say it's like 13 cubits or nine cubits or whatever, which would be like 18 feet or something absurd. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is there was some digging being done out in wherever, wherever the hell this was at. There's a town where they kind of thought that Bashar used to be like the capital. Like there's a town built now and they were doing some digging. And they found this slate thing that fit the description of the Bible pretty quickly, like pretty perfectly. <laughs> and I think it's on this place somewhere now. And it's like it pretty much lined up with how big they thought it was. Wow. Now, this guy was said to be a descendant of this this group called uh, Rapha, which was said to be... Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll just read it straight from the Bible. In another battle which took place at Goth, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. He also was a descendant from Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. There were four descendants of Rapha and Goth, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. So, actually, no, that was Goliath. My bad. Yeah. I'm all over the place with this. <laughs> but still, there's a bunch of these stories out there. And then when you get into the like the, the like the Gnostic Gospels, and then when you get into like the books of Enoch, the books that aren't in the Bible, mm-hmm. there's the stories of the Nephilim, which are these giants that came down from heaven and mated with uh, human women. 
and then created this like brace of like demigods that are still bigger. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stories where the king was always bigger than everybody else. Like even Samuel or no Saul back in the Bible was a head taller than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But he was one of the good guys. Right. So well, my personal theory with these giants is, and it kind of explains how they're all over the world, that the giants are actually aliens that were genetically engineered by the aliens that created humans. Sure. And they were kind of put down here, but they were born on spacecraft. But they came down here and a lot of them died down here. But if you think about it, they could have been made like 12 feet tall or however. If they were growing up in space the entire time, they wouldn't have had the impact of gravity. I guess that's true. So they could have gotten bigger. When they come down here, maybe they didn't last long. That's why there's so many skeletons because they all died down here. Do you think giants built the pyramids? It's possible. I don't really know. <laughs> but that's just a theory I was kind of thinking about. I mean, why can they not that be aliens? That is interesting. Considering all these stories, they come from the stars. They have mystical powers. There's a lot of mystical powers associated with these giants across all cultures when you look at the folklore. Did you watch that uh, video on Gaia where they said that when the, the first, like, I don't know if you call them settlers, arrive on Easter Island, they saw the giants and they're the ones that like Built the o- oversaw the building of the heads. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me because Easter Island is such a mysterious place. There's so much shit going on. Supposedly there, there are reports of these people seeing the giants. I got to look that one up. This was, this was definitely an episode we could do a part two on. Definitely. Because there's so much shit out there. Now, I do think a lot of it's kind of fabricated. Sure. I'm not going to, I'm going to look at this book and say probably half of it's probably fabricated at least. Another quarter of it would be misidentification. But the discovery of these mounds in the 19th century is is interesting. Yeah, because there's a ton of them. How do they just, like, miss all this shit? You can't tell me that. I mean, Abraham Lincoln said those words. Yeah. So I mean, he look noticed no, it. Look no further than the Serpent Mountain. Yeah. I, mean, I was 100%. I was going to go down there. I don't know why I didn't go down there this week. I was thinking about it, though. I should have. We need to go there and document it. Definitely. I guess it costs $8 to park. It's not a big deal. That was the reason why I didn't go down. I was like, well, I'm not paying $8 for this. But maybe I you will. Don't, you don't care about the $50 in gas it's going to take you to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the $8 in parking, is, that, that's, that's where you draw the line. That's where the, the camel's <laughs> back gets broken. <laughs> Anyways, but when you look at Serpent Mountain, too, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of correlation. And then when you look at it, I guess there's like an observation tower where you have to stand up to look at it. Mm -hmm. You can't even see the full thing. Yeah, it's huge. Why the hell do they build that? Exactly. And you just think about how kings and people of importance were buried back then. Sure. And enshrined in their death back then. Like, you'd think that the Native Americans, let's see, they, let's say like they see these giants and they die and they, they think of these thing, these giants as gods and they build these huge giant ass mounds when they when they bury them. I don't fucking know. Or maybe they had interactions with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, some of these stories from the Native American tribes tell stories about these giants very similar to how the Nephilim behaved in the Book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. Very similar when you kind of break them all down. It's crazy. So, I don't know. It's very interesting. It is. If you are a giant, please tweet us at 30 in the and tell us all about your history and where you come from. See the guy that played Hagrid died? Yeah. Hagrid was a half giant. He was. Now, could he have been a descendant of the Nephilim? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. See, I feel like, I guess, I guess some normal people could be tr- kind of treated as giants. I mean, we saw LeBron James in person. Right. Did he not stand out like... I mean, they're huge. Like a fucking mammoth. And he's not even a, the tallest NBA player. Like, think he's about, only 6'9". He's only 9 inches taller than me. Like, think about Villanueva. That dude was like 6'9". 300 something that dude was just a massive person yeah like some of these football players are just huge these basketball players Yao Ming Seven, seven foot six. Seven six, yeah dude was huge like there's a player coming out of France Victor Wambam Yama Seven foot four and skinny. 
but he can do everything. Like, he's a really good athlete. He can handle the ball while he can shoot. Like, that shit's incredible, man. They could be descendants of giants. They very well could be. And I could kind of see how you could dig up one of these skeletons and be like, man, I found a giant and it's just a really big person. Yeah. But, like, that's, those... that's kind of what I was getting to in the beginning of the episode. Sure. But the stories, there's too many of them. There's just there's, too many of yeah. them. So I wonder if they found one skeleton. Because I'm assuming there had to have been, like, one Native American that's over seven feet tall in the history of all of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's got to be at least one. But why is the S- Smithsonian purchasing 17 giant skeletons? See, I think they're up to some shit, too. They and disappear. I think, I think they're up to some shit because the Smithsonian doesn't make any sense. When you look at the actual history of who funded the Smithsonian in the first place, it makes absolutely no sense. So there was some British guy who left an endowment fund to preserve American history, which is bullshit considering this guy never even went to America. Like, why the hell would he do this? Why would he do this? <laughs> I don't know. And why would it turn into this big thing? All shady. Yeah, and when you look at the history of the Smithsonian in general, they're racist as fuck. They hate everybody outside of the (laughs) Anglo-Saxon way, basically. So it's really ridiculous. Now they're trying to shed that label these days. We'll have to we'll have to do an episode on the Smithsonian. Yeah, there's a lot of shadiness going on. Even if you don't buy into any of this bullshit, and I could say maybe this is all made up. I don't know. We don't really know. It could be. But there's so much weird ass shit going on with the Smithsonian. There's no way there's not like serious conspiracies going on there. Maybe they're not burning skeletons of giant proportion, but they're doing some shit. Definitely. They've been doing some some shit. shit. They've been doing some shit for a long time, and they have a role bigger than what they present themselves. I can guarantee that. For sure. Anyways, do you have anything else for this episode today, sir? Nope. I think I'm all set. All right. Well, if you know anything about giants or the Smithsonian or any of this shit, please tweet us at 30 in the comment on our Facebook page. We got two views again today on Facebook. Nice. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I don't think it was me. Actually, it might have been me. It might have been me. <laughs> so, but still, we got one other view. I don't know where the hell we're getting these views from. Hey, I'll take it. So, uh, last episode is up live. This one will be up here shortly. If you guys have any ideas for topics you guys want us to talk about, please let us know. Tweet us at 30 in the. Yes, please let us know. Um, episode 89 will be a good one for sure. Looking forward to that one already. Definitely. Anyways, on that note, uh, we about ready to get out of here? Yes. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Peace. Developed by the previous Guinness World Record holder, Eli Bishop, who managed 1,103 claps in one minute. Wrist clapping is a technique that involves a use... Cut. Wrist clapping is a technique that involves using the wrist... God damn it. Cut. Wrist clapping is a technique that involves using the wrist and fingers to clap the palm of the other hand. Meyer worked with Charm Media Group in Genesio. Cut! (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I didn't bring this news story. I mean, that's basically... There's nothing much else. So this guy claps really fast. Basically. Although, what the hell are the are the, the Panthers doing? I have absolutely they no idea. They trade C-Mac. Okay, great. They got like a two, a three, and a five for him or something. Something like that. They could have traded... Which their running back room is decently big. They got yeah. Hubbard and they got Foreman. They're pretty good. They could have traded DJ Moore. Is that their guy? The receiver? Yeah, I guess I guess um, Green Bay offered a first round pick. Offered a first round pick. And, and they then didn't take it. That, that pass rusher they have, I can't remember his name... The Rams offered two first-rounders for that guy, and they didn't trade him. Like, what are you doing? This guy's playing on a fifth-year option. Why would you not trade that guy for two first-round picks? Are you kidding me? You're going to extend him? 
He's going to sign with you guys who have no plan, no coach. The owner's a fuck show. They're a, they're, they're a fuck show. What are they going to do? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But you're still going to trade away C-Mac, who you got under contract. You could theoretically be part of your rebuild if you want. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what's going on with the Panthers. They're that's a that's a pit of despair. Nobody was ever going to want to go play there. No, their owner David Tepper is a fucking clown. <laughs> he gets so wound up <laughs> over bullshit. Like he got so pissed off that they couldn't trade for Watson. He got pissed off. He wanted one of the head coaches. I think it was Josh McDaniels, and he got pissed off that they're going to bring in Frank Reich. No, Frank Reich's sixty years old. He's that old. Yeah, son of a bitch. Yeah, damn. I think Frank Reich. I don't Shit, know. I would take him over Matt Canada right now. He'd probably call a better game than oh, as Matt a Canada. as a coordinator. Yeah, he'll get a job as a coordinator. He's not going to get a job as a head coach. Although the, I kind of like Frank Reich. The Roonies won't fire Canada, so they, there's no chance Pittsburgh hiring him. I know. They need Manny Mexico. I don't. Know, I just don't fucking understand it, man. It's like the Roonies. They just have this weird reputational thing where they hire somebody and they're just not going to get rid of them until the next season or whatever. They will not fire anyone during the the, the year. No mid-season firings? I, I fucking hate it. It's like, just do what you got to do to fucking win. Yeah. No, I agree. But you're not winning this year anyways. I mean. The season's not over. Unless Kenny Pickett magically grows three inches on his hands. The, the worst part of our schedule is over. I mean, we got the Ravens coming up and shit. Damn it. Again. I fucking hate but the Ravens. I watched that Monday night game today. I didn't watch any oh of Oh, my God. I hate them. I just hate everything about them. They're driving me nuts. I can't stand them. The fucking the red rifle, Andy Dalton. He spent more time on his back than he did <laughs> throwing the fucking football. What, he looked what's bad. wrong with Winston? Is he hurt? Winston, he tore something. He's been uh, out for a while. But I like what the, I like what the Saints do with Hill. That dude is a monster. Taysom Hill, he didn't do shit today. No, he didn't do he shit like today. Bomb. But it doesn't reflect but the rest of the season. It's like that every time dog. every time they brought him in, the entire stadium knew exactly what they were going to do. Like there was sure. they were not mixing it up at all and the Ravens were just all over it. See, I think they which, probably lost I, which, the I don't, which I don't understand that cuz they normally mix it up with him. They'll put him in at quarterback, then he'll play tight end. They put him in at quarterback and every single time it's going to be a stupid option with an offensive line that can't get any push. They need Sean Payton back. It was embarrassing. Yeah, it was bad. Who do they got? They got that coordinator that they had. Isn't that right? I don't know. I can't remember who the hell they have. I heard a rumor that the Cowboys might go after go after Sean Payton after this year. I think Sean Payton's coming back. I don't know where I, it's going to be. I Cowboys would make sense. Cowboys make the most sense. But, you know, also, Cowboys look good so far. It's like, well, Mike McCarthy. It's Jerry Jones, though. I mean, yeah, it's true. See... Where do you think Sean Payton would go? What jobs are going to be open? We already know Carolina's open. Indy, unless Jeff Saturday manages to hold on to it. <laughs> I don't know. Which that. I was looking up him real quick because everyone's like, well, how the hell did he get this job? And now there's a whole big thing going on on social media. Like, was he even involved with the team? He was a consultant kind of off and on. But he was not a coach. He was not really employed by the team. He was doing working more for uh, broadcasting companies sure, than for the Colts. So, no, he was an outside hire. Which is weird. You don't see that. You never no, see that when outside rare. hire becomes the in-season replacement. But um, his last season coaching high school football full-time was in 2020, and he was like 3-9 and nine or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to see how this is going to go. There are rumors floating out there 
that Reggie Wayne might be taking over as offensive coordinator because they fired their offensive coordinator. And Reggie Wayne is at least a coach on the staff right now. He's got the wide receivers right now. That would make sense. That would be crazy. Could you imagine Jeff Saturday and Reggie <laughs> Wayne? Dude, they'd fucking turn that team around. They need to bring back to bring back Dwight Freeney to be the defensive coordinator. Fucking for real. Um, I don't That's know. That's funny. But what jobs are going to be open? So Indy will be open probably because I can't imagine Jeff Saturday is going to coach his way into the full-time job in eight games. Maybe he will. Right. Carolina's open. Do you think LaFleur gets fired for the Packers? No. You don't think so? Probably not. Um, do you think Josh McDaniels is going to be one and done with the Raiders? That's interesting. I don't he know. He might be. He might be. They're a disaster this year. How many games were they up by like 20 points that he's blue? A lot. They're <laughs> At not least three good. or they four. They lost to the Jaguars. Yeah, that's not good. I think. Although the, the Jaguars' record does not reflect their play. They're pretty close in every game, and they've sure. been really competitive. Sure. Trevor Lawrence has definitely been his best year. Yeah, but he's still not good. And Mm-mm. he had one bad year with Urban Meyer, so everything else is going to be looking out from that. Dude, I'll tell you what. The Bears in, like, two seasons are going to be rough. They're going to be good. As long as they can keep it all together. I like Matt Eberflus. I really like Justin Fields. Yeah, he's starting to come give, together. Give him some weapons because they still can't really throw the ball. He's throwing, like, 150 yards Well, they got they got Chase Claypool. Yeah, but no, yeah, that trade. You know, I I see both sides of what the fans are saying. Most of the fans hate it, but I can understand why I'm getting rid of him. Oh, I would have traded him in a heartbeat. I would have gotten because anything I could get from him. He's not mature. Not at all. At the game yet. I'm not even talking about outside of the game on fucking TikTok and shit. <clears throat> okay, but no, yeah, that trade. You know, I... I see both sides of what the fans are saying. Most of the fans hate it, but I can understand why I'm getting rid of him. No, oh, I would have traded him in a heartbeat. I would have gotten because anything I could get from him. He's not mature. Not at all. At the game yet. I'm not even talking about outside of the game on fucking TikTok and shit. Okay. He is a rare specimen. All right. He is literally Megatron size. 6'5", 240 pounds. Maybe slightly slower than Megatron. He should be in a position every single fucking play to make a play. At his size, he should be bodying these defensive backs. At yeah. his size. Yeah. But he he can't do it. He continuously gets bodied by these small-ass uh, fucking defensive backs. Now, yes, he's a pretty good route runner. He can get open. And he can make some really good plays, but there's absolutely no reason why he should lose some of the matches he does at his size. There's just no fucking reason. Well, yeah, I agree. And I mean, he, he hasn't been able to develop like other receivers have in sure, the past. Sure. So getting a second round for him, we broke even. Yeah. I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But also, Kenny Pickett needs all the the help he can get right now because he's basically having to do everything right now. Well, he's got small hands, so that doesn't help anything. Well, he's playing great. He's playing fine with small hands. I'm not worried about the hands. Come December, it's going to be a different story. Again, he's played in Pittsburgh. But he hasn't played in December. He hasn't played in December. How many games does Pittsburgh play in December? He's played plenty of times in in November. November doesn't count. November's not December. It, he's played in plenty of cold and wet games. Not enough. He'll be all right. Not enough. 
He'll be all right. He's going to look like, uh, what are those commercials with Burger King? Remember those old commercials? Yeah. Where the guy had the small hands and he couldn't 